You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi. I want to share with you a conversation I had with Charlie Arari, who, of course, everyone knows is a very inspiring, wonderful person, very successful in the business world, and perhaps even more successful in the way he's reached millions of people, not only in podcasts, but of course, through live speeches. He, for a number of weeks, was a weekly guest on a program that we called One-on-One with Charlie Harari. That program is no longer (laughs) in our platform. Charlie is very, very busy. However, two years ago on Shabbos and Batamas, Charlie and I recorded a discussion, a talk about stratagems for the three weeks, how we could improve our davening, our learning, how we could use this time to actually launch ourselves beyond pain towards something beautiful and great. Um, and perhaps uh, as a way to be Makar of the Gula, but especially to get ready, even if the Gula doesn't come for the period afterwards, the period that as we enter into the, the times of Yom Naroyim. It's a pretty short conversation, but I think you'll hear it and you'll see there's a little bit of a different emphasis between Charlie and myself. I think, uh, although some of it is somewhat dated as it was done uh, during the time of the pandemic when the camps were closed, but I know that's not a nostalgic time to think about, but I still think that it is as relevant then as it today as it was then. So here it is. I hope you enjoy it. Shlomo Brocha. I'm Avram Kivalevich, and this is One-on-One with Charlie Harari. You'll probably be listening to this after Shavasa Batamas, but we're here in the dog day afternoon of Shavasa Batamas, uh, in somewhat, almost the most difficult time when the heat is getting to you, when the hunger is getting to you. And I don't know, Charlie, you're going to probably call me a heretic here, but um, recently I happened to have seen uh, one of the, uh, the most highest grossing film of all time, the film that's seen by more people in the world, uh, The Avengers Endgame, which uh, I watched it over a period, I think about six or seven nights. It's about a three hour thing. And um, I'm an old superhero fan myself growing up. And I heard a message at the end of the film. It was very surprisingly moving film. I'm not going to give it a thumbs up for B'nai Taylor necessarily, but there's very little objectionable things, I think, if you do uh, go into popular entertainment. There might be more objectionable things on, uh, when you think about what uh, Jordan was cursing in, <laughs> in the last dance than in this one. But anyway, be that as it may, the point is, it is some, a tremendous message, and people, I think, still remember it. Here's a little bit of a snippet of Tony Stark's last speech. Tony says, everybody wants a happy ending. But it doesn't always roll that way. Maybe this time. I'm hoping if we play this back, he gave up his life in the movie. I hope families are reunited. I hope we get back in something like a normal version of the planet has been restored, if there ever was such a thing. God, what a world. The epic forces of dark and light have come to play. And that's the reality his child is going to have to find a way to grow up in. The only thing that we can try to do is hope we survive, 
everything's going to work out exactly the way it's supposed to. So I was listening to this and I was saying, wow, I wonder how many people, not in the Jewish world, but in the world of COVID-19, are playing back that message as well and saying, boy, the world is changing. What are we going back to? What is the world that, 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 that we're going to step into? Things are going to work out the way they should, whether it's the election or lawsuits, camp, no camp, opening. But clearly, we're thinking about the world changing. And I thought, Charlie, as we're here in the three weeks, and people maybe can listen to this post the three weeks, maybe it's also a time for us to start reflecting in that way as well about not only the world post-COVID, but what is it that we need to work on in terms of our vision of that world? So what's, what's your take? Yeah, I think as Jews, I think one of, our, one of the core aspects of who we are, the ethic of being a Jew, is to always be thinking of the future to always be thinking of what the world is going to be like. Um, that's, you know, I, I always think about what it must have been like to say things like Es Semach David or Uvnei Yushalayim in some shtetl or in the middle of a pogrom. The idea that, you know, we've been tasked with sitting in a Yom Kippur and saying, you know, saying to feel us, that the whole world is which is the most incredible vision at periods of our time where we were being sort of shipped off to slaughters by the Romans. It's, it's an incredible ask made by the king of the world to his people. That's how we've always been driven. I don't know if we get there. I don't know if we're being honest with ourselves if we do it. You know, I, I don't know if when someone says, that they're thinking about the Chorban base Hamigdash, if they're just really just thinking about the Chorban and they don't want any more gullus, and what we really want to do is just end the pain versus vision the future. But I think that's what we should be doing. That's, that should be a part of our daily diet. That's not a Yom, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur thing. And it never applies more than three weeks. This is the differentiator between those that go through three weeks with the, I can't wait for it to be over. When is Nachamu mentality versus those that go through weeks and going, wait, I have three weeks now where I may be a little more uncomfortable, but I'm being, I'm being focused on the prize. I would say Charlie that uh, in normal years, especially the way uh, the cultural summer occurs, this byproduct of a, agrarian time in our history where everybody's out and free and running around and right in the middle of the three weeks, right in the middle of, of the summer, you get the three weeks and there's, and you're right. What, what happens is, is that there's this sensibility of, I don't really like this period. This should be summer. This should be the time for me to be enjoying myself and, and, and basking in the sun and playing games and doing stuff and watching Avengers Endgame or whatever it is you're going to be doing. And I think this year maybe we have a chance, Charlie, to to not have that that that, that dysfunction about hey it's the three weeks, but really you know I, I'm running around, I'm worried about the next ball game uh, in camp. I'm talking about. I remember when I used to visit the the summer camps. I don't know if you were part of that. Very vicious competition in the leagues there about the the championship, right? And the yeah, it was yeah. The best time ever. Are you kidding uh, me? Yeah, but that's not going to happen <laughs> now, right? That's not going to happen this year. No. So. Maybe that's maybe that's good in terms of 
of not seeing the three weeks as this, this, this terrible burden uh, during this time. What do you suggest? Uh, you know, it's very easy to take out the machzer or think about um, the beautiful image of, of, of what we want. Um, clearly, sometimes the familiar becomes so familiar, you don't even think about it. What sort of options do you think people have? What's an easy option you, that you would use to make it real and to make that longing more than, as you say, just not just a longing to leave the goalless, but actually to craft a, a, a beautiful vision of the future? Yeah, yeah. We, we have to put it into our lives. We have to start to think this way. We have to start to, to, to put it into our davenings. We, we have to allow ourselves to, to go there. Um, you know, this, during this period of time, if you remember, there was a, there's a huge, I mean, there should be, there still is to some extent, but it was much more, uh, feverish early on about Mashiach coming. Now I'm told, I'm, I'm a Sephardi in my core. I mean, that, that I, there's, I'm half Sephardi, half Hasidic. Like, I'm, I'm, there's Mashiach everywhere. I, I'm, a, I'm always like checking to make sure, like, yeah. I, I, I'm like looking at the signs and ch- this is who I am. What can I tell you? So if someone said to me that it's, it's not a good idea. So if you remember, uh, Pesach fell out on the exact same day of the week as it fell out when they left Mitzrayim. Right. And Klai was never ordered into their homes until since Mitzrayim and all this stuff happened and the Kinneret started overflowing and it all started hitting. And if you remember right before Pesach, it was like the signs were as clear as day. And people were emailing and texting, this is it, this is the time, this is the time. And someone came to me and said, it's very dangerous to think this way because you're going to get let down. And I said, I think you're totally wrong. I think if you're weak-minded, it's dangerous to think this way. If you have no, if you have no confidence in your own faith and you think that one feverish, oh my God, it's here, is going to now, when it doesn't come, throw you into an Ushaptite's fee, okay, fine. But if you're like a regular person, do you have a chance once in your life to think that Mashiach is coming? But really, like to really think that when you lock your doors on Pesach Seder, Leos Shemurim, that Eliyahu, to really to have one chance in your life to go to bed and have your child say, Daddy, I really think Mashiach is coming. Just to experience that once is such a gift. And if, if the virus taught us one thing, it's not that we should try to gain back the control. It's that everyone may have had a moment in this virus where they looked and they saw Eretzro closed and they had like Shabbos and, and you had like a, a, a brief moment of, wait, is it? If, if, if we take that and just stick it somewhere in your day, just create a habit. When you say Bonei Yerushalayim for one of your three tefillahs, just take 30 seconds a day. It's all it's going to be. And picture in your mind what life is going to be like when a Kodesh Baruch Hu reveals himself. All the Kleinakite and the non-Kleinakite that we're all metoplin all day is going to be like a joke compared to what life is going to be like when he just turns up the dial on Revelation and Iota. If, if we did that just for three weeks, for 30 seconds a day, we're we're going to be different human beings. We're going to come to Rosh Hashanah and be like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm not reading it for the first time now as fast as I can go because I'm getting tired. I've been thinking about this, Hashem. And let me tell you something. 
It's going to be amazing. And if you want to learn about it, look at the Rambam and look at all the other stuff. There's plenty of Tyrita. And just to become people that have big vision again, that's, that's who we're supposed to be, I think. Yeah, well, we, knew, we do know that one of the descriptions of the, of the Messianic age is mole or it's deo, that, it's, that there's an expansion of das. And das, of course, is more than just information. It's information that settles within your essence and causes you to be inspired and to act upon. But I would just throw in, you know, you mentioned the Rambam. And, of course, the Rambam has a very, um, some would say, a prosaic version of what the Messianic age is, because he possibly like Shul, that there's not going to be much of a, it's not going to be a time of, of miracles. But I would say that that Rambam is an interesting Rambam to look at, Nilchus Malachim. But maybe we should take out the Rambam, Nilchus Avoda, and Korbonos. In fact, maybe what, what's called for, just because you need a hook, Charlie, is to, it's, it's, it's like the Chavetz Chaim understood. And that's why he pushed learning Kodshim. We should be learning those Mishnayas, learning how Kamitsa works again. I know Menachas was very hard, right? I know who, Zvachim, uh, uh, to get all the Dinam of Pigo and Neusser. But I can't think of anything in my mind that is, the, is such an easy bridge. Because when you're thinking about it, when in your brain you're thinking about the Kayim sticking his hand into the Mincha, when you're thinking about the Hefshet and the Tuach of a Korban, when you're thinking about what are the Gedarim of how I eat Korbanos, I think your brain is living there. I think that there's a, that, that, that it, it not only it, it elevates you, and it also gives you something that's not like this intense, vague, vagueness of the Mashiach. What it is, is, yeah, there's going to be a restoration of Binyan Abayas. These are the carbonus we're going to do. This is what a Kaya needs to be like. I think that, I think that is a key in making it more concrete. Plus, correct me if you think I'm wrong, there's also the enjoyment of learning and understanding it. And, and therefore, yeah, you, you learn the Gemara, you learn the Sunni, you learn the Mishnah, and it was fun understanding it, but you're that much closer to being a Jew who's living in that period. <laughs> because in your mind, you are there. In your mind, <laughs> you, it's, it's happening. That's what you wake up to. Oh, and I, and I think I think maybe the yeshivas should, or, during this three-week period, should be stressing that more. Maybe we should all be learning those, those inyanim uh, more. And you're right, tshuva and tshiva, and making sure that, that, that we're medactic and mitzvahs properly, but also maybe learning that area and, and, and making it making it more concrete. I know that uh... it's as far as I, I agree with you, but I want to take it to, 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 to another level. You know, it's like camp, you know, it's a shame that we, you know, there's no camp this year for lots of people. So as a camp kid myself um, and as, 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 as a father whose kids go to camp, like I know what it's like for a kid to, you know, be sitting around November going like it's almost camp. Right. Like, you know, I know, I, I know that feeling. I had it. I know what it's like to have a kid say, like, I can't believe like it's, it's September. Like, what am I going to do? I got, how am I, how am I going to get there? But if you interview each kid, they have different reasons. One of my kids want camp because of the group. One of my kids want camp because, because of the ball, you know, there are kids that love camp because of the, the, the drama and production. Like everyone has some part of camp that they look forward to. I agree with you. And the Kayach Adimian is very powerful. And there's lots of Torah, especially in the world of, of, I think in the world of the Arizal and others that 
um, that when you use your mind, you actually can't in some way be somewhere not where you are. There's a concept like that in Avoda. But whatever it's going to take, I think as long as we're in this sugya is where we should go. For some people, it is getting into the sugya of, of Korbanas. For some people, that may just not work. You know, the Rambam, if I remember correctly, the Rambam, in going through Hilchas Malachim, speaks about Mashiach and speaks about some incredible stuff. It may not be miracles like the way we imagine it, but having a Mashiach show up and having the world leaders bow to him, so to speak, and creating peace and building a base Hamigdash and, and a higher quality of life. I mean, just to think that, that we could, can you imagine a Frum guy showing up and the world leaders, can you imagine a time where everyone's not hacking Israel when they like look at people the wrong way? Like, can you imagine a period of time where not only are Jews like, please don't, you know, please don't graffiti our shuls. Oh, they didn't, they didn't hurt us for like six years. Can you imagine a time where like a from guy, can you just look at that? Like that doesn't, it doesn't have to be that he shows up and, and like we get to fly to Israel on the back of an actual eagle. It could be an LL plane. But the the whole possibility is so incredible that if we just, if you don't even know the details of, of, of a carbon, and you're not even holding in Kamitsa, just the fact that you can be alive when the whole world, I mean, like, there's a football player that said to, that he loves Jewish wisdom. I don't know if you've seen this. And his video went viral. Like, a, a football player knows about Judy, like, we're, we, we settle for so little. We're just so happy when like someone that like plays a professional sport says the word Shabbos. It's like, whoa, like we've made it that like they know us and they're not killing us. And like we could live and my home is big enough. Like, it's just, we're settling. We're supposed to be going, Hashem, are you kidding me? Where, where's world peace? Where is Mashiach? If you can, just get to that space. And the reason we don't, it becomes even more fanatical when we don't do it. It becomes even more in, un, impossible. It, it almost becomes like, oh, stop it. Put your head back on the place. Versus, wait, no, this is, I'm not saying do this for eight hours a day. I'm saying take a moment when you say Bone Yerushalayim and picture you're alive during that period of time. And if you do it every day and we, whether for some people you're right, Start learning and, and, and use your kayach and your love, Avas Torah, to get sucked into the Korbanas and be in the base Hamigdash. <clears throat> I remember when I was with my kids, what we did one year, which was one of the most powerful things that we did pre Yom Kippur. And I recommend this to everybody. There's a guy, um, I forgot his name. I think his last name is Friedman. Chaim Friedman, I believe. He, he created this. He created this, this, this video. It's like an hour long. Have you seen this? It's like an hour long. It's like a virtual 3D base Hamigdash video where you're literally in the base Hamigdash, room by room. And one year on Erev Yom Kippur, uh, I, I, I bought it and I played it. For my, this is what we did for Sudas Mavsekis. My kids sat around and all we did was watch. And, and we pointed out the coin's going to go here. You see how he's going to go here. He's going to chef it here. This is where he goes in the five minutes. And 
it was the greatest Yom Kippur. Like to your point, we were living in the base of Migdash for a few minutes. We, we saw it when he said, achas, we, achas. We like, we had it in our heads. So like, it was just like words. We, when he came out, like we knew where he was going. We knew how we put, we knew, we, we knew we had to go to Chardon, you know, Nick Nor. Imagine if we did that to some extent. On a regular basis, it would be so powerful. We would well, be such a like I said, a hammer likes to hit a nail. I think we can be there. I think it is possible to be there, and you have to keep that in your consciousness. I'll tell you, I had a similar experience in the negative. Um, there was a shul I used to dominate, and I wasn't so crazy about that minion. But on Yom Kippur, everybody becomes someone different, and even the people around you become different, you think. And all of a sudden, I found myself jumping out because I had learned Yuma a number of times, and I was going, you know, and, 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 and trying to match the cause, you know, not, 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 not overdo things, but I was talking and saying it, and I was imagining the, the avoda, and it is so beautifully written. And someone came over to me and said, would you mind? I'm trying to be in the shul here, and you're really disturbing me. Because he was disturbed by the fact that, that as the chazan was saying the avoda, that I was saying it with him and, and, and that he heard my intensity. I decided I wasn't going back. Yeah. <laughs> and I haven't, I haven't dominated in that show again, uh, basically. No. So the, you're right. I think what it is, people would rather stress, if we talk about Yom Kippur, I know it's Shemosa Matamas. I think what we're talking about, Charlie, is there are people that their Yom Kippur is more Yisker and Asara Ruge Malchus than it is the Avoda. Yeah. I think that's a, a good way of putting it. Exactly We've suffered. Right. And, and it, 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 believe me, we do need to be bizarre today and during the, the three weeks and think about the terrible murders that occurred as they broke into the walls of Yerushalayim and began the slaughter. It wasn't an Avengers movie where they were, where it was all CGI. It was real slaughter, real death, real pain. And, and we know the descriptions in Echa and the Medrash Echa and other places about how horrible it was. But I think you're right, Charlie, that we need the, uh, we need to, to, to zero in, especially now, it's almost the year six thousand, right? <laughs> and that means we've we've in So I hope we've given you a little bit. I know I've gotten something from it. I hope all of you listening have gotten something that we can get through this time. Now, Charlie, I just say one thing: you'll say we're, we're going to have a different Rosh Hashanah. Maybe if if people adopt what we're saying. Oh boy, it's going to be a different version of Shana. Imagine. It's going to be a different Tishimbo. Yeah, it will be. It's, it's not just the next version of Shana coming. It, we're talking about this This podcast will be a, a, an old clunker from the period from before. And hopefully it'll be, people will look at it in amusement and wonder, yeah. how could people even talk that way? It's such a reality. It's Take a care, Charlie. Have a, Thank you. Have, and you're fast. Well, it ought to be meaningful. For everyone. Amen. That's it, my friends. I'm from Kimilevich. We'll be back with Charlie hopefully soon. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.